0: Well, that was unpleasant. This is way over our heads. It's a weather and climate podcast. I'm Jim Dubois. Kenny Blumenfeld's a climatologist. Kenny, are you uh, getting to the point where you're thawing out quite yet?
1: Yeah, I think it's it's more the disorientation for ten days or so. I, I haven't really known one day from the next <laughs> because we just we'd already been so inside, and and you know. Pandemic plus winter, and then for winter to go kind of bonkers on us. Yeah, it's just sort of disorienting. I'm actually excited to run outside now that the temperature is above zero.
0: I hear you on that, Kenny. I mean, the last couple of days, at least we've had a lot of sunlight, which is nice. And today the wind uh, wasn't bad at all. So there wasn't a real bite to it from a wind chill standpoint. But we do have a lot to talk about. So Let's start out with first of all a two minus fifty degree readings we've had over the past few days, both at locations near Ely. They did set daily all-time state records, but in terms of something massively historic, we're not talking about that, are we?
1: <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> you know, all it did was confirm for us that this is a winter, and that's good. We needed that because, as we had discussed, we'd gone. November through January, without really any sign of winter, although we had that great blizzard. But we really hadn't gotten the deep cold. You know, we've been kind of chugging around near normal for snowfall, but we hadn't had anything noteworthy for cold. Getting 50 below near Ely, uh, that's a big deal, but historically it doesn't stand out. We know of, I think it's 52 other days on record where the statewide all time low temperature for that date is uh, 50 below Fahrenheit or lower. And so this just joined the ranks, uh, kind of a, <laughs> a large, large group. It tells you how severe Minnesota winters can be. Um, now, we did have some difficult wind chill conditions, especially in northern and western Minnesota, with um, wind chill temperatures in the negative 40s and negative 50s. That is, you know, that's dangerous. But again, this is not, especially for that part of the state, it's just not that historically unusual. What I will give you about this cold outbreak that's a little bit odd is one, its duration. I mean, yeah, it was pretty good in that regard. And then the other thing is its lateness in the season. It's not the latest we've ever seen it this cold in, in most places. But it is for this kind of cold outbreak, it is running pretty late. And so, uh, yeah, so when you combine the duration with the lateness, that's kind of what makes this one. Can I say special?
0: Uh, Yes, you can, Kenny. (laughs) Well, you know, it's interesting, too, is uh, not only the duration, but also the geographical extent. The atmosphere isn't just punishing us here in Minnesota. It's punishing large portions of the continental United States, isn't it, Kenny?
1: Oh, my goodness. Did you see the pictures of the snow? in Galveston, right on the beaches of the Gulf of Mexico.
0: incredible. Amazing.
1: And, you know, some of the records that have fallen, like, so I often joke, you know, records, when you're talking about a station that has a long history, that means, you know, for the Twin Cities, for example, we've had 140 years to establish a number one or a number two, you know, with these really high ranking events. So usually at these old stations, if you're going to break a record, it's, I call it, it's usually fairly polite. It's sort of a, oh, it's a kind acknowledgement that the old record is is valid and we're just going to nudge it out by a couple degrees or one degree or a half an inch of rain because there's been so much time to establish those records. But the records that have been breaking in Arkansas and Oklahoma and Texas and Missouri, parts of Louisiana, are not polite record breakings at all. They've been breaking their daily record lows by 15, 20 degrees. Think about that. I mean, that that would be the equivalent of, you know, the typical record low for a day in mid-February in the Twin Cities might be, you know, 26 or 28 below. And maybe in International Falls, it's 40 below. Duluth, it's probably 28 or 30 below. So that would be like, you know, breaking those records by 15 or 20 degrees would be, we'd be, I mean, it would be unprecedented. We'd have the lowest temperatures we'd ever recorded at those places. So this is uh, down in Oklahoma, Texas, Missouri, Arkansas, parts of Louisiana. It's been a very special, <laughs> it's been a very <laughs> special uh, cold air outbreak. And it's been devastating because they don't have what's insulated plumbing? What, what does all of that mean? Do we even have enough clothes? Do we think of having double paned windows? You know, do we put that 3M plasticky stuff over our windows to prevent cold from coming in? You know, none of those precautions are in place in a lot of places. And you have also heard that the grid, especially in Texas, just cannot withstand the demand for energy that that you find when the temperature drops to, frankly, you know, basically Minnesota type levels. I mean, they had temperatures in the that fell below zero. Their air temperature, and these are places that usually don't get below zero more than once every couple decades. And in some cases, they hadn't ever done it on record. And so they just can't withstand Minnesota type cold. I saw Jim that the Oklahoma city airport station yesterday. So we're, we're, what is it? Tuesday, February 16th. So this was on Monday, the high temperature was four. And we think, okay, we do that in Minnesota all the time. We, we just made a mockery of that over the last 10 days, but the normal high in Oklahoma city this time of year is 55 degrees. So they, their high temperature was 51 degrees below the normal for that date. That is a departure that I don't think I've ever seen in my life. I don't know if we've ever recorded that kind of departure in Minnesota. It's just an unbelievable departure from what you would normally expect. So the geographic extent has been quite vast and it's been uh, very severe. And I would say it's been more severe in those areas. And, And it's been coupled with this barrage of you know freezing rain so they're having ice people sliding off and all over the roads they've had 6 to 10 inches of snow they're getting more snow between this afternoon so that's Tuesday afternoon and into Wednesday so a lot of places that normally get you know 5 or 10 inches of snow in a typical winter will have four to six times their normal snowfall <laughs> just by the time we get to tomorrow so they'll snap back out of it and they'll get into the warmer conditions, but they're, they're sure being punished. And meanwhile, I don't know, We saw some kind of spontaneous snow over the last week, but when was the last time you really saw it snow, Jim?
0: Just uh, those little flurries you mentioned, but it's been a while.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it has. We've been, because we've been so cold, all of the snowmaking mechanisms have been pushed away. You know, parts of far Southern Minnesota have been brushed a couple times, the Chicago area. Wow, did they get hammered with lake effect snow uh, on Monday and into early Tuesday? They some areas near the shore got 15 to 20 inches as the northeasterly winds just came tearing off of Lake Michigan. And these were very cold winds. So that cold air passing over the warm water, great setup for producing lake effect precipitation just on the land side of that boundary. And they, they got some heavy snow from Chicago down to Gary. So it's been close, but we haven't had anything. So I think the last time we talked, I mentioned that after these polar vortex disruptions, if the cold air kind of establishes itself, then uh, you start to get into a snowy period. And, you know, we're seeing signs of that, but I don't see any smoking gun evidence at this point. You know, Jim, I I like it snowy. And if if we're going to be cold and it's not going to be snowy, I almost have no use for this.
0: Right. I hear you on that, Kenny. Yeah, <laughs> I'm hundred percent on that one. So yeah, you, so
1: you want you you're you're waiting for a good snowstorm yeah. to come and sock us too?
0: Yeah, you know, I, yeah. I, I it's it's to me uh, the cold without snow just doesn't cut it. I mean, it's not pleasant. Snow at least there's a beauty to it. You can recreate in snow if it's cold, you don't feel like recreating, and um, yeah, it just uh, it's not a pleasant time. Kenny, you mentioned yeah. the polar vortex. It has been disrupted. It's been dislodged. What exactly does that mean? Yeah, (laughs) it means
1: it's probably too complicated to to do it any real justice, but I can give you the nutshell, which is that high in the atmosphere over the North Pole and for an area that, you know, think of it as sort of a circle that's about a thousand miles across, generally centered on the North Pole. There's kind of a, a high atmosphere steering wheel up there, or think of it almost as a turntable, and it's just rotating, it's generally rotating cyclonically or counterclockwise around the North Pole. and But it's high in the atmosphere, but this kind of orchestrates uh, a lot of things that we experience down here near the Earth, like at the surface. And in general, it's a nice round turntable record player. And it's, and you know, the the record's not warped at all. And it does that counterclockwise rotation and everything is good. When enough warm air passes over the North polar region or the Arctic region and starts to convect, and it can actually get into the stratosphere where that Uh, where that sort of orchestrating turntable of uh, cold air called the polar vortex is. And if once that warm air gets into the high atmosphere, it can kind of cause that whole rotating mechanism to, to break down and send impulses back towards the earth. And then once that happens, it changes so this disruption kind of alters the course of what really drives our weather here, which is the jet stream. So the jet stream usually roughly mimics that polar vortex. But as the polar vortex uh, kind of breaks down, you basically get lobes of really cold air that originate right over the Arctic that are normally centered near the Arctic. You get them wobbling off course. And in this case, one of those centers of of basically the center of the tropospheric or near Earth polar vortex passed right over Northern Minnesota uh, over the weekend. It was kind of, so we basically got a visitor from the North Pole. It doesn't happen every winter, but it is a common mechanism that drives uh, big polar outbreaks, but also kind of a dominant winter condition. So often in, uh, in our region, the polar vortex is associated with extreme bouts of cold weather. But really it does more than just that. In fact, uh, there've been a few times where in the last decade where we had polar vortex event but we didn't get the really cold air. And instead we just got kind of a prolonged, colder than normal, but but especially snowy period. So the, the disruption is really just something that that disturbs or breaks down that rotating mechanism aloft above the North Pole and then that in turn works its way back down towards the surface and starts influencing our weather, usually by driving a bunch of cold air out of the poles and into, say, the the middle, or in some cases, even lower latitudes of our continent. And what I probably should have mentioned, too, is when you have the coldest air on the continent centered over, say, the area between southern Manitoba and Kansas or Oklahoma, then in the area where you normally find the coldest air in the continent, which is that high Arctic region, they're usually quite warm, at least for this time of year. So it's been the case over the last 10 days or so that Minnesota, the Dakotas, northern Wisconsin, the area that's been sort of bombarded by this cold air has been 20 to 40 degrees cooler than the Arctic weather. So and even though they had hardly any sunlight. So a little factoid for you.
0: What role is climate change playing in this disruption of the polar vortex?
1: You know, this is an argument that's become more complicated uh, over the last few years as as we've learned more about it. There's so many different mechanisms going on and at work that it's kind of hard to know. I mean, we know for sure that climate change is depleting the reservoir of cold air. There's just less cold air in the Arctic regions. That is something we've observed. It's been ongoing. Frankly, it's almost bulletproof scientifically. But it's still, you know, you know, that that's kind of difficult to consider because it's still dark all winter long in those places. And so they still get really cold. It's just not frequently as cold as they used to be. One of the thoughts is that The warming of the Arctic has actually made it easier for that warm air to get up into the stratosphere and then disrupt the polar vortex. But one of the mechanisms that the climate scientists use to kind of determine if that's really happening has shown sort of a mixed signal over time. You know, you'd expect to see instances of these polar vortex type events increasing. Right. That's what you'd expect if they're caused solely by Arctic warming. But There hasn't been a surefire increase in those. So I guess all I can say is it's it's hotly contested at this point. I don't think there's a final verdict. There are some folks at the University of Wisconsin and at other large universities who've been who've been looking into it in more detail than than I have. But I would say it's an evolving discussion. I think the one thing that can't be ignored is that winter in general has been warming and we've been seeing fewer cold air extremes during winter, and they've been taking up less time on the calendar. But at the same time, these events tend to kind of rewind things so that you, you get an almost unforeseen burst of kind of historically or near historically cold air that kind of, uh, you know, it's a blast from the past and the fewer and more farther between these become, I think the more surprising they will be. So that's, that's, to me, one of the real the real threats of this is that we keep warming winters, we get less and less ready for these things that still seem to come with, you know, I wouldn't say high regularity, but they still come every, you know, we were talking about this a couple of years ago, too.
0: Well, one final thing before we move on from the unprecedented, well, I shouldn't say unprecedented, but unprecedented for this winter cold stretch, yeah, sure. um, we need to talk about the clock that was running on temperatures zero or below in the Twin Cities area over the past several days. We were kind of watching that to see how it would play out. Where did we end up in terms of the number of consecutive hours of temperatures at zero or below in the Twin Cities?
1: Yeah, so this was a good run. It looks like uh, I'm probably within an hour here. We think it's 116 hours consecutively from, I think it's 4 p.m. on the 11th uh, right up until 11 a.m on the uh yeah 11 a.m uh, today the 16th that does not put us into the top 10 uh the top 10 is about 130 hours and but it is the longest consecutive run of zero or lower uh since 1994 so it's good it's an it's an attention getter one of the things though jim that we've also been looking at is just how many total hours have we spent? So forget the streaks, just how many hours have we spent uh, at zero or lower in the twin cities? And there we're, we're putting up some good numbers. I think we're at about 225 hours this month and the month is not, well, we still have 10, 10, 11 days left. And uh, you know, we're going to be putting on more 225 would rank us, I think about third or fourth all time going back to 1905 for our cuz you can only count the hourly data back to about 1905. Right, that's impressive. Yeah, and it's the and it's the most for any February and remember, we're not done with February yet. It's the most for any February since 1936. Now 1936 is the big one. We're never going to catch that. They had 403 hours of zero or lower wow. in the Twin Cities that that February, so that <laughs> that's bonkers. You know, if we if we get another cold front next week, I guess we could we could you know get into the three hundreds. But I think we'll be a solid number two uh, all time for February hours at or below zero in the Twin Cities by the time this month is done. International Falls had an impressive run, also. They they climbed above zero on Monday. Um, in the afternoon, but they had gone below zero much earlier. They went below zero beginning, I think it was the, you know, in the evening of the February 5th. So they spent spent something like (laughs) 225 or 230 hours at or below zero, which is kind of unbelievable. These records are a little bit hard because not every station has a continuous record of hourly weather observations. It's something we have a lot more of now than we used to have with with automation. But uh, yeah, it is. Uh, it, it's been a good long, you know, long, cold snap. And I think the the one thing if if someone says to you, well, this is the coldest it's ever been, say, well, that's nonsense. That's not true. And if they say this is the longest cold streak on record, that's also nonsense. But if they say, you know, this is one of the most persistent cold patterns that we have had and and where we've had, and in terms of the amount of time below certain temperature thresholds, yeah, now we're getting up there, especially for this late in the season. And that's kind of where it's, you know, I mean, the sun is strong. I don't know if you had the experience maybe over the weekend. I went outside, the temperature was deeply below zero, but it was late afternoon and uh, the snow was melting off of our deck and dripping or off of the roof and dripping onto the, and melting and dripping onto the ground and then freezing instantly, of course. So the sun is strong. We're getting there. We're actually, uh, you know, we're now in the final, we're approaching the final third of winter. Um, and the sun is starting to be, you know, it's about the same strength that it would be in October. So wow. <laughs> it's not, not far off. So yeah, it was quite an event. A lot, a lot of interesting statistics coming out of it. But I'd say most of it, you know, for for people who are looking for magnitude and just want, well, this was the the blank blank event. I don't know how much of that we have. Our, our stations that have fifty years of record, um, we've got about one hundred fifty of those stations. And over the past ten days, we've broken a total of about I think one hundred ten or one hundred twenty daily low temperature records at those stations with long records, but not any station in in the state set an all time, you know, lowest on record for that station. No, no long-term station did that. So it's, it's not really the magnitude. It's more like the, the magnitude of the duration and combined with the lateness in the season. And I think, you know, we're all itching to get outside And uh, I think uh, we got a good chance of doing that the next several days. There's no, no really cold air in sight anytime that we might even be done with the truly cold air for the season. Even if we do get a couple reminders, you know, later this month or early in March, I think we're, we're done with the real deep punishing cold for now.
0: Well, good. Deliverance is at hand. (laughs) Correct. Yes. Well, Kenny, great checking in with you as always. This is Way Over Our Heads. It's a weather and climate podcast. I'm Jim Dubois. Kenny Blumenfeld's climatologist. Kenny, we'll check in with you next week. Very good. Thanks, Jim.